it is uh, my joy to be here uh, i'm so happy um to be here with each and every one of you i know that we are almost at the end of this entire wham and uh, i i am thankful for the lord's hand upon each and every one of you who've uh, pushed all the way till the end uh, who've made sure to stay committed to this who've made sure to stay rooted uh, to stay persistent um, in your journey of wanting to study uh because the bible says many start the race but not everybody finishes the race and it is not just in our starting but it is also in our finishing in our commitment and our willingness to go all the way to the end and i thank god for each and every one of you that are here all through this entire season and uh today my uh, talk is titled a disciples pursuit of fruitfulness we've um, studied multiple things in this uh, last few um, sessions that we've had and it's all been revolving around discipleship on how uh, jesus taught his disciples to change their character change their heart how jesus taught them to uh, be uh, different in the way that they would value themselves to be different in the way that they would handle responsibilities handle money handle treasure and in the last session we studied in detail about um how we should respond to teaching or how we should respond to our teacher uh, what ways can we honor our leaders what ways we can submit to them and that's very important and today we are going into the last session uh, of discipleship of this particular teaching series in this wham and so i just want to take this moment to just bless each and every one of you and also to declare that you are going to be fruitful that you are going to multiply that you are going to bear results because of this last one year of training that you have gone through you know what jesus was doing with his disciples was very uh, intensive coaching for three and a half years and those three and a half years resulted in a lifetime of ministry of bearing fruit of uh, raising disciples of planting churches uh, overturning governments and nations in different parts of the world today the most effective institution on the earth is the church um this is not because we uh just claim to be something big or something great it is the only institution that has stood the test of time over the last 2000 years and it's because of the principles that it's been founded upon and 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 today i believe that each and every one of you you would take this mantle upon yourself to want to be fruitful to not just uh, be great uh, preachers or great teachers or great businessmen but that you you will want your life to produce results the results that will matter in eternity when you stand before god when you are in god's presence some of these things should be uh, spoken about you should be declared about you you know when you stand before god i, I don't know what are the things that you are going to be proud about are you going to be talking to him about uh, the amazing uh, savings you have in your account 
or if you're going to talk about how much uh, you know you helped your church community or what you did to uh, raise more uh, people to you know serve Jesus what are the things that you're going to be boasting about when you stand before God that will show what was the aim and the purpose and the direction of your life what were you pursuing after and this evening or morning whatever time you're tuned in uh, the teaching that i have titled is how will you pursue or what will be your perspective about fruitfulness what will be a disciple's pursuit of fruitfulness and what should it look like so what we're going to do is we'll begin with john chapter 15 and verse 16 um the book of john chapter 15 it gives us a great perspective on how to be fruitful but instead of reading it in the correct order that is starting at verse 1 and going all the way to verse 16 we will read it in the reverse order we're going to start at verse 16 and we will read it back to verse 1 you know and we'll try to Uh, gain as much perspective the reason we are starting at the end and going back is so we can define our ending we can define our goal we can uh, expand our perspectives from the start and we use that as the premise to uh, decide everything else uh, to receive all the other revelations that the lord wants to give us okay so uh, if you're here if you can turn your bibles to uh, john chapter 15 and verse 16 or you can read it along with me uh, it's on your screens it says jesus is speaking this and he is saying this to his disciples he says you didn't choose me but i chose you i appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit and the purpose of all of this is so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name who is speaking this jesus is saying this he is saying that if you are going to be attentive to everything that i just taught you if you're going to be receptive to my way of living see if you understand the context in which jesus said this john chapter 14 15 16 and 17 is the concluding address that Jesus gave to his disciples he is introducing them to the holy spirit he is introducing them to their calling in life their ministry how they got to be serving and in this portion he is telling them the end result of their life has to be such that i'll read it one more time so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name whatever I want you to pay attention to that word whatever whatsoever there is a dimension that you can reach where every word that falls out of your mouth is going to be like a seed that cannot die but it will produce fruit it will produce results it will produce multiplication it will produce uh, you know revival it can produce uh, children in barren wombs in in prosperity in barren uh, towns or cities it, it is it is like a word that is going to produce results at all times 
And the Bible says, we reach there by understanding that we did not choose God. We did not plan to go after God, but God, he chose us and he appointed us. Because he chose us, he now appointed us, the Bible says. And this is why he appointed us. It is so that we can go and produce lasting fruit. Friends, please understand that God did not appoint you to be a pastor or to be a mother or to be a businesswoman. God appointed you to bear fruit. Now, being a pastor is a means to an end. Being a businesswoman is a means, is a tool that we use to reach the end goal. The end goal is to produce fruit. The end goal is to produce so much fruit that when we open up our mouth and when we say something, a father, he will give you whatever you ask for using the name of Jesus. That the words that you speak will have tremendous value. It will have power because now you, you've been bearing fruit. And this is not just a fruit that fades away after a season. This is the lasting fruit. Fruit that will last and last all the way into eternity. So when you are pastoring a church, when you are leading a youth group, or whether you are just being a mother to your little children, you should know that you are being a, 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 a you're using those avenues to be able to produce fruit that will last, fruit that is going to bring glory and honor to your Father in heaven. Because if you are able to do that, if you are able to crack the code behind the scripture, you will enter into this whatsoever dimension where you can speak, you can ask, you can just desire for certain things and you can open your mouth and speak it out and it shall happen. It shall be so in Jesus' name. Now, all of us want that blank check, but we don't want to reach or go through the process of reaching this maturity in our life where we produce so much fruit that will last forever so that as a result of that fruit, God the Father, He will give us whatever we ask for. So today, I want to take you through this process of understanding what can we do to produce a fruit that will last. How can a disciple pursue fruitfulness in his or her life? So, if you're here, can you go with me to the previous verse? This is uh, John chapter 15 and verse 15. Like I told you, we're going to be going in the reverse order today. We read verse 16 and we're going to go back all the way to verse 1. So, let's read verse 15. Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves. A master, he doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything that the Father told me. Jesus is very outright, very blunt in his explanation. He says, I know how you're looking at me. I know how you expect this relationship to function as. You think that you're just my servants. You think that you just want to serve my will, where uh, whatever I say is what you do. 
And that is true. For a lot of baby Christians, we, we are not mature in our fruit-bearing capacity. And that is why you shouldn't expect everything you say to be uh, you know, backed up by heaven. But when we reach a place where we are no longer slaves, but we are friends of God, where we are bearing fruit and, and these, this fruit is able to last, it says that we can speak certain things and we can ask for certain things and it will be done in the name of Jesus. So the perspective here is that Jesus wants us to grow in our relationship with him where we don't see ourselves just as slaves, just as servants who are working for a pay. You know, friends, when they do you a favor, they don't get paid for it. In fact, if you uh, try paying them or if you say, okay, this is a lot of hard work that you put in to help me shift from one location to another. You carried my sofa, you carried my uh, bed, you carried all the tables. So here is, uh, uh, you know, uh, some money for you. Man, they will be offended. They will be really upset with you because they, they, they say, hey, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing this because I'm your servant. I'm doing this for, because I am a friend. So a friend, he works not because he's getting a benefit out of that relationship. He's working for you or he's willing to serve you because of that relationship. That relationship is all that there is for him to want to serve you and want to help you and want to you know be by your side whereas a servant that's not how a servant does the day that you cut off their wages the day that you are unable to pay them the day that your work uh, demand is too high they're going to walk out on you they are going to say this is beyond my capacity but friends on the other hands they, they are different. And that is why Jesus says, do you want to bear fruit? Do you want to reach that place where you will have fruit that will last? Then I need to upgrade you from being a slave or a servant to being a friend where you understand everything. Jesus says in this verse, now you are my friends. How? Since I have told you everything that the Father told me. Why? Because every single thing that I received from my father, now I have told them to you, because of which now you are my friends. You're not living in 50% uh, revelation. No, you're not living in 20% in, uh, revelation. No, you are not living in uh, just 10% revelation. Now you have 100% revelation. Everything that the Father told me, I have told them to you. I have passed it down to you, Jesus says. And Jesus says that becomes the foundation for that relationship. That becomes the foundation for you to now no longer look to me as your master, but now you can look to me as your friend because that is who you are to me, that you are a friend to me. So, what did we learn so far? That the ultimate goal of our lives is to reach the whatsoever dimension, is to reach the place where whatever we ask for, whatever we desire for, will be uh, something that the Father will rush to fulfill. The second 
thing that we understood is that we cannot reach there unless we have a lifestyle of fruitfulness a lifestyle of uh, lasting fruitfulness not just temporary fruitfulness but lasting fruitfulness but we cannot reach a lifestyle of lasting fruitfulness until we understand that we did not choose god but god chose us we did not appoint ourselves but god appointed ourselves a god appointed each and every one of us and how did he do that by first upgrading his relationship with us no longer slaves no longer servants but now friends friends that have access to information information that was only between the father and the son is now given to his friends so you and i we are productive or we are fruitful as a result of the voice that we hear from jesus we are not fruitful because we uh, have money or because we have the the right amount of uh, resources you know it is not it is not the things that we see or sense on the outside that defines our fruitfulness friends please don't fall into the trap of the world that says that if you have all these blessings then you can you know you can do a effective ministry if you have so many followers then you can be fruitful if you if only i i i was in a richer country if only i was in a better church if only i had access to information that that pastor has access to or that family has access to no 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 your fruitfulness is not dependent on your physical circumstances your fruitfulness is dependent on if you are willing if you are available if you are open to receive information between the father and the son what the father has given the son if you can tap into that if you can change the way you look at yourself and if you can see yourself from the perspective that jesus saw each and every one of us then you and i we can receive information we can receive help we can receive the greatness that god has in store for us and that is when we will no longer be called slaves but now we will be called the uh, friends of jesus okay this friendship is essential if we need to uh, produce fruit now going to the next verse like i told you we are going in the reverse direction so we are going to verse 14 john chapter 15 and verse 14 jesus says you are my friends if you do what i command let me read it one more time you are my friends if you do what i command do you remember what i told you a few sentences back is that friendship is something that has to become the reason for our serving god it cannot be because we are getting something in return a blessing in return a provision in return so many times um, when i'm counseling somebody i have to tell them the privileges of of obeying god you know if you obey god god will bless you here god will bless you there but i think that that is a very immature perspective if we will obey god because of a blessing if we will obey god because we are going to have a special breakthrough 
then I don't think that that qualifies us to be the friends of God. The Bible says, if you are my friends, then you are going to listen. You're going to obey everything. You will do what I command. You will do what I command. So our obedience is very foundational in us being able to produce fruit that will last. It is not just information that comes to us because week after week, you know, season after season, we, we are surrounded, you know, all of us. Thankfully, we are living in a generation where we have access to men of God. We have access to women of God. We have access to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, wherever we go, we have access to information. We can never say that there is a famine for God's voice in our generation. Definitely not. At least some of you guys who've been here for one year, you know, over the last one year, every week, two or three men of God have been feeding you, taking care of you. None of us can say that we've not heard from God. So our problem is not in the fact that we've, we don't have the right seed, but that we have not put those things into practice. That is why it is not just hearing of the word, but now doing of the word. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Then going on to the next verse, there he goes on to explain what he means. He says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, Jesus did his part by laying down his life for us. Now it is our turn to do it back for him. Now it is our responsibility to lay our lives down back for our friend. See, you remember what he called us into. He called us into a lifestyle of fruitfulness, a lifestyle where whatever we ask for, whatever we speak, it will come to pass. It will be brought forth. Now, we will reach that only when we understand the dimension of friendship with God. And we will understand the dimension of friendship with God if we are willing to listen to his voice and also to obey the voice that is coming to us. And this obedience will sometimes require death. This obedience will sometimes require self-sacrifice. This obedience will sometimes require for us to give up on our own personal ambitions or dreams that we have built up over a long period of time. This obedience will require for us to not take what God has spoken to us for granted. That we we, we be willing to uh, give up on certain issues, certain relationships if necessary, certain commitments that we have made to ourselves. We will be willing to give that up in order to pursue obedience to God. See, if your following Jesus has not cost you anything, I have a doubt whether you're truly following Jesus. If by following Jesus, you've only been, uh, you know, more, more and more uh, able to do what you always wanted to do, then I have a doubt whether you're following the right Jesus. Because the Jesus that I follow, the Jesus that's in the scripture, he says, if you want to follow me, then take up your cross and follow me. Which means there is a, a certain level of self-sacrifice involved. And I'm not saying that you have to 
live in pain and poverty. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is a certain level of self-denial that is necessary, that is required if you need to grow in your friendship with God. The only other person that the Bible refers to as a friend of God is Abraham. Because here was a man who was willing to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, the son of promise, the only legal son that he had, the one that God was about to use to bless him, to make him a father to many nations. He was willing to give up that one son. And God looks at this and says, wow, this guy is my friend. So when we are self-sacrificial, when we are willing to lay down certain things that uh, you know we, we've been clinging to with our entire life, then that is setting us up to grow in our friendship with God, grow in our friendship with Jesus, which is the foundation for our fruitfulness. Let's go to the next verse. This is verse you know, uh, we have read verse 13. Now we read verse 12. Jesus says, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. <laughs> this is very challenging. It's very difficult. We can love God in the same way that He has loved us or we can try to love God, but to love one another. That is uh, crazy because if Jesus said, just uh, go out there, do ministry, preach to people about me, you know, all you have to do is give an account to me. Your relationship with one another doesn't matter. You can treat each other however you want. I mean, most Christians will uh, make it to heaven. Most Christians will be very happy with that kind of a lifestyle. But the problem is that Jesus didn't say that it's okay if your relationship with your brothers and sisters is bad. That if you're still abusing them, if you're still hurting them, if you're still being rude to them. Uh, as long as your relationship with me is good, uh, nothing else matters. Je Jesus didn't give us that option, my dear friends. Jesus said, this is my commandment. My commandment is that you would love each other in the same way that I have loved you. You would love each other the same way that I have provided, I have cared for you. It's necessary in this season that we identify those relationships where we have been uh, lazy in our love. See, love is not about not just about, you know, I I I have this deep feeling of of wanting to care and I did something about it. But love is about being like Jesus. See, Jesus, he couldn't help everybody that he loved, but he, he set himself up. He made himself available for them to come and receive from him. But, you know, there were others. Jesus explained this story to us in the story of the Good Samaritan. There was a priest who was going by that same road where the Good Samaritan was hurt. And the priest, he did not make himself available for help. There was a Levite who went by the same road. He didn't give himself or make himself available for that help. 
and finally there came a samaritan and the bible says jesus called him the the neighbor that loved the the person that loved his neighbor why because he made himself available his resources were now available to be utilized his his uh, time was available every in every way he made himself available whereas the others were unavailable see it's very easy for us to look at the thieves that hurt the good samaritan and say that they are the bad people that they are the ones who hurt this guy but it is the story is not about the thieves the story is not even about the good samaritan the story is about the two guys who didn't have any response when he saw when they saw the need they they were not moved they just looked to the other side and ignored the problem and they just walked away they just went on doing their work and that is a very sad thing i pray that none of us will be caught in that lie that the enemy tells us that um, it's okay you cannot help everybody of course you cannot help everybody jesus himself couldn't help everybody and yet he was available he he his love was available for everybody the pharisees they received his love the sinners they received his love the uh, the gentiles they received from his love the israelites they received from his love the children they received the elderly the women the men every single community every single aspect of the society jesus he was available to love them and that is why this commandment is so important love each other in the same way that i have loved you we cannot experience or receive fruitfulness if we cannot love if we are not willing to love so if there is anything in us that needs to die tonight if there is any ego any bit of self respect any bit of um you know or oh, i he hurt me or she you know was backbiting or gossiping against me whatever is those reasons because of which you you're feeling like you cannot love a certain person then let's just bring it to the altar and let's be willing to just sacrifice that aspect sacrifice that area of your life so that you are able to love the other person just as Jesus loved you do you know how much Jesus loved you do you know how much you tested his patience do you know how many times he spoke to you and yet you ignored him do you know how many times you walked away from him willingly consciously you disconnected from his voice over your life how many times you and i we have done that and that is the same love that now we have to show to our friends to our brothers to our sisters that's why jesus said love each other in the same way that i have loved you so the premise for our fruitfulness is not how much we have earned the premise for our fruitfulness is not how many souls we have preached to it is not how many people come to my church or how many businesses i have established or how many children i have fed the premise for my fruitfulness is how i have been able to demonstrate my friendship with jesus i cannot be a friend of jesus and not love the people that he loves
I cannot be a friend of Jesus and continue to hurt the church that he's ahead of. I cannot be a friend of Jesus and, and do uh, mean things and say mean things about men of God that are in the palm of his hands. I cannot be a friend of Jesus and, and not love each other the way that he has loved me. So our friendship with Jesus needs to overflow in our constant, continual love for one another. Jesus goes on to say in the next verse, verse 11, he says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. That is why I told you these things. Not just so that you will uh, be uh, in a bondage. Not so that you will be in a, a obligatory mode. Now, now I have to serve. Now I have to do these things. No. I, the reason God speaks to us is so that our joy can overflow. Not just filled, but now it has to overflow. One of the signs of being full of the Holy Spirit is that you will not lack joy. So whenever you feel that uh, people or circumstances are stealing your joy, it is because we are not full of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, He will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So in other words, if we are lacking these things, if there is no overflow, if we are trying so hard to be happy, to be joyful, then it is the lack of God's presence in our life. It may be a perfect opportunity for us to just inspect ourselves. Where did we uh, not host God's presence in our life? How is it that I'm lacking joy? This is, this is not something that comes as a result of, uh, you know, you being perfect. This comes as a result of you being full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you know, there are a lot of things that may not be uh, something that God will immediately answer. Like, let's say that you pray for the gift of, uh, uh, you know, moving the mountains. Uh, God may not immediately give you that gift. Or you pray for a house with, with five bedrooms. God may not, I'm not saying God will not, but God may not immediately answer that prayer. You may go and pray for a, a dead person to rise back up or a healing of a sick person. It should happen, it will happen, but you may not. There is a slight chance that God may not answer that prayer, even if you have prayed it in faith. But there is one prayer that you can pray that God will never, never refuse. And it is this prayer, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Renew your right spirit within me. That is a prayer. If you read Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, Jesus says, Hey, you evil fathers, you know how to give good gifts to your children. If, you, if, your, if your children will ask for bread, you will give them bread. If your children will ask for food, you will give them food. If your children will ask for clothes, you will give them the clothes and even more. If you being evil fathers, you know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. So we would read this verse and we would say, oh, uh, Jesus is talking about good gifts like, you know, vehicle in, in house and, and physical blessings like healing and, you know, prosperity and all of that. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't give that. God is a God of abundance. He, he will fill you in every aspect. And yet, the one thing that he will never say no to is an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Even when you don't feel like it, if you have prayed that prayer saying, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Father, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. That is one prayer that never goes unanswered. So if you feel that your joy is running out, that you're not having an overflow of joy in your spirit, immediately begin praying and asking for a fullness of the Holy Spirit, a fullness of the Holy Spirit, because this is God's will for our lives. This is why God has spoken to us. It says, I have told you these things, which means these teachings, the purpose of these teachings that is coming to you, the purpose of all learning scripture, the purpose of sitting under mentorship is so that you will be filled with my joy. My joy. Jesus says, my joy. Yes. And as a result of that, because when you're filled with my joy, your joy will now begin to overflow. Jesus says, your joy will begin to overflow. So today, my hope is that we will not just love, we will not just sacrifice, but we will also have great joy. There are going to be circumstances and times and seasons where you don't feel like manifesting that joy. But if you are somebody that continues to listen to the voice of God, may that become a reason for you to grow in joy. May that become a, a, a motivation for you to be overflowing in joy. Jesus says in the next verse, verse 10, when you obey my command, commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and I remain in His love. You know, sometimes we feel like we are running out of capacity to love others. Jesus says, but when you obey my commandments, what is my commandment? It is that you would love each other as I have loved you. He says, when you obey that, what you're doing is you are connected. You're remaining in my love. Which means when you are willing to sacrifice yourself in your ability, in your willingness to love each other, there is a connection. You, you tap into the love of God. You tap into a source. You're remaining in God's love. And from there, you receive unlimited supply of love and grace and favor in your life. Jesus says, this is how I did my life. He says, I obeyed my father's commandments and I have remained in his love. Jesus says, this, this, is, what, this is the secret to my ministry. You know, that every time that I'm tempted to not love somebody, I will love that person all the more. And because of which, I will now draw from the love that the Father has for this world. Because the Bible says God the Father, He loved the world so much that He gave Jesus as a solution to the world. Now, 
When God chose to love your church, he placed you in that church. When God chose to love your apartment, your neighborhood, he chose to place you in that particular location. When God chose to uh, love your company, your uh, uh, your office, he chose to place you there. Now, if you are going to be obedient to, to the commandment of God, and if you're going to love the way that God wants you to love people, then you are going to now remain in his love. You are going to tap into the love of Jesus. You're going to tap into unlimited supply of agape love. Going on to the next verse, Jesus says in verse 9, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. So remain in my love. If, if we, can, we can understand how much we've been loved, we've been loved in the same measure that the Father loves Jesus. See, you and I, we are imperfect people. So it's natural for us to think that we are not loved so much because we all have earthly parents who treated us in a certain way because uh, you know, of our disobedience, because of our dishonor, because of you know, all the mistakes that we made. We, we, we were called names. You know, there were times when we are called failures. There are times when we are called and nobody, all those names that our parents or our family members gave us because of our disobedience, it's, it's natural for us to think that that is how our Father in Heaven loves us. No. See, Jesus is perfect. How does the Father in Heaven love Jesus? The perfect Jesus. It says, I have loved you in the same measure as the Father has loved me. So the love that the Father has for Jesus, it's a perfect love. And in the same perfect love, He has loved us. Now, this is what we need to do. We need to remain in that love. We need to believe in that love. We need to just continue to be rooted in that love. The, the thing with Satan is that he, he may not be obedient to God, but he knows all these principles. He knows that, hey, I, I have access to God. He knows that I can just, you know, I, because I've been created by God, because I'm a son of God, I can just walk into heaven. We, we read this in the book of Job chapter 1. It says, when all the sons of God were gathering, when they were called, Satan, he himself came and attended the meeting. <laughs> Whereas if we are believers, if, if Christians, if they have to, do this, they would be like, no, no, I don't know what the father will say. I don't know how I, the, I, have, I have broken his heart. I have disobeyed. But here is this shameless Satan. He doesn't mind because he knows I, whatever said and done, I may be disobedient, but I'm still a son. <laughs> that is why when the meeting was called for the sons of God, Satan said, I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. Because if you, if you read scripture, you would understand Satan, one of, his, uh, one of his titles was that son of the morning, son of the dawn, which means the father referred to Satan also as a son. He referred to Satan as a son. And, and as much as he was disobedient, as much as he was a rebel, he just was so secure in his identity. 
that he's like i'm not going to allow anything uh, to 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 disconnect my axis to kill that axis i'm going to go as long as i'm a son i'm going to go this is the father that we serve that he is never going to unsun you <laughs> no matter even if you even if you're a satan himself you're not going to be removed from that sonship see jesus when he referred to judas he said the son of perdition or the son of destruction which means even when he was betraying even in his worst moment he was still a son i hope that this comes as a revelation to you i'm not saying that you have to become satan but i'm saying you need to have a revelation of the love that the father has shown towards you the father says jesus says i have loved you even as the father has loved me so now remain in my love if we have a revelation of this love we we are going to grow in our relationship with jesus we are going to become confident we are going to not take the relationship for granted we are not going to act like we are nobodies and nothings we are going to be willing to walk in because we are chosen we didn't choose him but he chose us we didn't appoint ourselves but he appointed us and he gave us this access to walk in and now to exercise dominion over the worlds that he has given us going to the next scripture this is uh, um the uh, verse 8 jesus says when you produce much fruit you are my true disciples and this brings great glory to the father he's saying it is necessary that you produce fruit and that this fruit will be much fruit so that you can be known as my true disciples not just disciples but my true disciples there are disciples and there are true disciples there are worshipers and there are true worshipers you know god is not looking for worshipers because there are plenty of worshipers the bible says in john chapter 4 that god is looking for true worshipers god is not looking for disciples but god is looking for true disciples read that one more time it says when you produce much fruit you are my true disciples and this brings great glory to the father so god is calling us into a lifestyle where we produce such fruit a fruit that is born out of love a fruit that is born out of self sacrifice a fruit that is born out of confidence a fruit that is born out of a joy that overflows and this kind of a fruit it brings great glory to god it brings great glory to the father jesus goes on to say if you remain in me and my words remain in you you may ask for anything that you want and it will be granted now you remember this was the end the whatsoever dimension that we were speaking about where jesus says whatever you ask for in my name it will be given to you now now here uh, the bible says the the promise for that is so that you will remain in this love that has been revealed to you what kind of love is that it's the same love that the father loved me 
same love I have given you. Now the same love you have to give it to each other. If you remain in that love, you are going to be connected to the source of that love. And if you remain in that love, it says, then my words will remain in you. The reason that God's word, it, it, it doesn't remain in our spirit for long enough, that once we tune out of a class or once we close the Bible that we forget, and is because we are not connected to the source if you are connected to the source, if we continue to remain in that love, then that words will also remain in us. And then it says, then if you ask for anything, this is a place of maturity. This is where we become sons of God. This is where we become children of God. This is where God begins to trust us. This is where God begins to say, hey, wait a minute. What, what did you just desire for? What did you just open your mouth and say? It will be granted because you remain in me and because my words remain in you. So this season, if you want to bear fruit, can you just pursue this thing? Can you just pursue remaining in him and his words remaining in you? The next line, it says, verse 6, Anyone who does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a useless branch and he withers. Such branches, they are gathered into a pile to be burned. So we can be good Christians and yet we may not remain in him. But as a result of that, we'll become useless. Uh, but I believe that none of you who have made it so far in Bam. Your, your, your life is not going to be useless. In fact, you're going to grow. You're going to multiply in your productivity. You're going to do more. You are going to have more conquests. You are going to bring more people to Jesus. You're going to love more. You're going to serve more. You are going to uh, overflow in joy. And you're going to overflow in self-sacrifice. You're going to overflow in making disciples. You're going to yourself be true disciples and you are going to raise true disciples for Jesus. And the Bible says, anybody that doesn't remain in me, that doesn't connect themselves to that love, that doesn't connect themselves to this grace that I'm giving them, they will be like a useless branch and they will wither away. Then the Bible says in verse 5, yes, Jesus says, yes, I am the wine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, they will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We know the scripture, so I'm not going to take a lot of time. There is this dependency between us and the, and, and the, and the wine. We are the branches, but he is the wine. This branch has to depend completely on the vine so that we can do something. If we confess every morning, that Lord, without you, I, I can do nothing. I'm not going to be able to do well in my work if it is not your presence breathing. If, un, if you do not build the house, the, the workers, they labor in vain. If you do not watch the city, then the watchmen, they, they watch all through the night in vain. I, I confess, Lord, that 
I need you. Without you, I cannot do anything. If that can become the posture of our heart and the posture of our lives, then we will be like the branches that are depending on the vine for nourishment and then we remain in him. It says, verse 4, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Then he goes on to say, verse 3, You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. See, you know, in the church, there is a lot of teaching that says that, you know, God, he purifies us and he prunes us. And one of the ways in which he does it is by sending us through sicknesses and poverty and that he sends us through pain and problems. And that is how he prunes us. That is how he purifies us and although i'm not saying that god will never god cannot or god doesn't ever use all those things the primary method by which god prunes or purifies us according to scripture is that he we've been pruned and purified how by the message read that verse with me if you can you have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. So it is not possible that God has already somehow changed his mind and he's like, no, 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 I need to send some sickness to prune and purify my child. No, we, we, we have, to. it is when we are not attentive to God's voice, when we are not attentive to what he's doing in our lives, that now sickness is, have to come and be used to prune us or purify us. But that is not the primary source. The primary source was always supposed to be the message. He says, you've already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. So today, if we can cling to that message, cling to the voice of God, cling to what he is speaking, then that word, that voice, that message will constantly prune us and constantly you know purify us on the inside the bible says he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more in other words the 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 you know the ones that don't produce fruit they get cut off but the ones that do produce fruit, they get sharpened, they get, you know, pruned so that they can produce even more. So in other words, God's plan for your life is that you will produce fruit, is that you will bear love, you will uh, result, your life will be an overflow of joy. See, the responsibility of doing all the gardening is the Father's. You know, that's the last verse for today. It's uh, verse 1, John chapter 15 and verse 1, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. In other words, all the gardening work my father will do. But this is what you need to do. You need to remain connected. You need to remain attached to the vine. And to the degree of your attachment, you will produce results. You will produce fruit. You will produce 
answers. You will produce solutions for your community, for your churches, for your cities and your nations. You, you, are, you are the answer carrier for your generation. See, the way that you respond to God, that you live for the Lord, by that way, you are either going to become a burden for your generation or you're going to become a blessing to your generation. And I, I'm, I'm a thorough believer of the fact that each and every one of you here, you, you're not a burden to this generation. In fact, you are a burden remover. You are a burden carrier. You are a blessing to this generation. In the mighty name of Jesus, I prophesy that into your life. I declare that this capacity, whatever capacity that you have right now, it will multiply. It will go to the next level that you will produce even more fruit than what you're bearing right now. Can I take you to that verse that we started with and we can read it together and we can pray. It's John chapter 15 and verse 16. I'm going to declare this over you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So Father, I pray over each and every one of your dear children that are here with me right now and I just bless them in the name of Jesus. And I release this grace to understand that they didn't choose to be here tonight. They didn't choose to do this one-year course, but that you chose them. You planned this for them. You prepared this for them. You appointed them for this season. You appointed them to receive these teachings week after week. And I, I believe your word that says that when we receive your word, we are pruned and purified. And the purpose of that pruning and purification is so that we can be connected to the branch. We can receive more from the branch so that we can produce the love that we have been loved with. The, the, the Father's love that has come to the Son and that Son's love that has been given to us. Now we give that same love to one another. We know that that is how we are able to become fruitful. Outside of that love, outside of that joy, outside of that peace, outside of the patience of the Holy Spirit, the kindness of the Holy Spirit, the goodness of the Holy Spirit, the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, the self-control of the Holy Spirit. We know we cannot experience fruitfulness. So right now I pray, let your children abound in their ability to bear fruit. Let them abound in their fruitfulness. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the new work that you're doing in their lives in this season. They will have fruit and their fruit will abound and that fruit will bring glory to Jesus all the way into eternity. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.